So for how many of you would you say that your life is complex? A lot going on. If you're a parent of an under 12-year-old, your life is complex, by the way. It's just the way it works. Actually, I think if you're a parent, your life is complex. We live in a world and in a culture where we are immersed in complexity. We have heavy schedules, many of us. We've got big challenges. The world is becoming increasingly more digitized and thus more complex. Walking through, one of the more complex decisions right now almost seems to be, what social media platform do you use? Do you use Instabook FaceTime? What do you, what do you use? I mean, because they're all different and they all do this or do that and another thing. And which one are you supposed to choose and which one do you post what on and, and, and who do you respond to? We live in Southern California and in Southern California, you can, live, uh, you can live a half an hour away from something usually and that half hour can turn into three or four hours even in traffic sometimes when it gets crazy. We live in a world where we have a political system which is increasingly in complexity. What do you choose? Who do you vote for? How do we think about that? We live in a world which uh, demands a lot of us. Our, our jobs are becoming increasingly complex. I'm even, I'm thinking of many of you teachers out there. I was just talking to somebody. We were talking at a, a book club this week about the advent of the internet and how that changed teaching so much because we have some experienced teachers there who've been around for a while and they remember when all of a sudden the classroom started to become digital and you had to do things online. All these things add to the level of complexity. And we see this pushback, this longing. How many of you wish your lives were more simple, right? You long for that. In fact, it, it seems to be a story of our culture. You look at things in media, uh, television and movies right now, and there almost seems to be this sort of longing. How many of you are HGTV people? HGTV people out there, confess your sins. All right, HGTV people, one of the most popular shows on home and garden television right now is about tiny houses. You want tiny houses because tiny houses are easier to maintain, less than 300 square feet with everything simplified and dual purpose and easy to maintain and easy to clean. And you can move it around from place to place if you need to. There's this longing for that. We see people in, in TV shows talking about places in uh, people moving to places that life is much easier in those places because it's simplified. Go to Alaska and your only focus is on trying to get food and shelter and clothing, right? I mean, shows that talk about that are very popular because I think that speaks to a longing in us to simplify what is a very complex life in a very complex world. How do we do that? How do we simplify? How do we flourish in complexity. And I think what we hear this morning from Proverbs chapter 3, the verse 12 verses, is God giving to us a tool to deal with complex lives in a complex world so that two things might happen. We might be blessed 
and we might flourish more. God has something to say to us here in his word about how to flourish despite a complex and sometimes crazy world. We'll begin reading at verse 1. My son, my daughter, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Right from the beginning of this section of text, God is saying to us, if you want to experience a good life, a better life than what you know now, here's something you can do. Know what it is that I teach you. Know what it is that I command you. And live in that. Obey it. Follow it. And when we look at the text more closely, we understand that God is offering us actually here a double blessing. What he's saying to us is that trusting Christ gives us two things. First of all, it gives us God's favor, that blessing of God being present with us, more intimate with us, closer to us. We experience his spirit more deeply. How many of you, as you have engaged in Project 119, have felt closer to God in your day-to-day activities? I mean, we've experienced that more deeply when we're in God's word, when we understand what he is asking of us, what he's calling us towards. We, we experience the blessing of his presence. But God also offers a second blessing. The blessing of his presence and the power of his Holy Spirit to guide us in our day. But then also, he says, guess what? Living my way makes your life better and easier, even physically. Let me give you an example. God in his word tells us what's, what about truth? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up, right? Truth is a good thing. Think about it when you lie, what that does, right? If you lie to somebody, what do you have to do in order to make sure that you don't get caught in your lie? You gotta lie again. And what do you do in order to make sure that you don't get caught in the second line? You get the complexity, right? All of a sudden, you got to figure out, what did I tell this person? Did I tell them the truth or a lie? And if so, what lie was it? If I, if I have told them something that was untrue, then, then how do I protect myself from being caught? It's a complexity that is unnecessary if we, in fact, tell the truth. If someone asks me something and I tell the truth, I don't have to go back into my, my mental faculties and believe me, they're getting fuller and, and less, you know, I, I can't handle much more back here. You know, we, I don't have to go back there into my faculties and say, what did I say to them? Because I know I told them the truth. It makes life easier. But also we hear it in other ways. I know that if I live a life of faithfulness to my wife, that my experience of marriage will be a better one. That's what God calls me to. And it's not just the blessing of, well, I have a good marriage. It's that we'll 
Kristen and I will, A, get along a whole lot better, experience more deeply what love is, support each other. She makes me better. I make her better. We experience a better life because we're doing things God's way. God's plan is for us to experience that physical blessing when we do things his way. Next section, verse 3. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. When we're obedient, God interacts with us in a way which gives us blessing. It makes us better. He's offering us the best life when he's the center of it, instead of the life that happens when something else is the center of our lives. Think about it this way. If your business is the center of your life, if it consumes your time, your energy, your free effort, your creativity, all the physical ability that you have, what in your life is going to be best? Is it your relationship with your kids? Is it your relationship with your spouse? Is it your relationship with others? Or is it your business? It's your business. And God is saying to us, no, put the things that I call you to put first. Put me at the center. I am the center of things. And when I am the center of things, your relationship with me is best. And all these other things become the blessing that comes. What do we hear? We hear, seek first the kingdom of God and then all these other things will be added unto you. God is saying, put me at the center of stuff, and then not only will you experience my blessing, but the world will see my blessing in you. What do we hear here? We hear a, a good name, a person who has a good name. Let me, let, Jan, John Van Maurick. John Van Maurick has a, a good name. He has a good name in this church. He's a, he's a person who is faithful. He's a person who cares for others. He's a person who looks out for people who are in trouble. And because John has put God's calling on his life first, he carries that good name, and I want to be more like John. I want to live like, like he does. When I get to be his, when I grow up, I want to be like John. Because I see God blessing him with favor. And that is what God does when, when, when we live in relationship with him. The world around us see it. If people don't want to be like you, because you're not experiencing God's favor and that good name isn't going out, then perhaps you and I need to wonder, are we living with Christ at the center of things? Because when Christ is the center our good name is carried out. We're in essence, like our vision statement here at the church says, putting God's love on display to the world so that they might see him in us. There's power there. And then we get these two verses, which many of you have committed to memory. You can certainly read them out loud with me if you would like. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. How many of you have that memorized? I hope you do. It's a great message. In fact, it's a message that you hear echoed elsewhere in the text, right? We hear it actually in the New Testament. Jesus is asked the question, Master, what is the greatest commandment, right? And he says what? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It's an echo of Proverbs 3 five and six, that we trust in the Lord, love the Lord, give unto the Lord all our heart, lean on our, not in our own understanding, in all our ways acknowledge him. We're getting to the point now where God is reminding us, I gave you Jesus. I gave you everything. I gave you my life, my death. I gave you my ministry. I submitted my Godship to you. I was in heaven and I submitted my Godship so that I would become man along with you. I made myself lower than I was for your sake. And now I ask of you everything. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Which we don't understand how to do unless we know how to live. And when we know how to live, God makes it easier for us to live so that we can love him more. It's like a circle. Circle that gets fulfilled in us loving God more deeply. As we love him more, we experience his blessing more, and his blessing moves us to love him more. It goes around and around and around but it comes from learning and growing in that understanding. So then we ask the question, so how do I love God more? How do I love him with all of my heart? Well, let's ask, let me ask you this question. Can you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind at dinner each night? Can you? All right. So let's talk about that for a moment. All of you have dinner. I'm assuming you get around a table. Maybe you get around a table by yourself. Maybe you get there with somebody. If you're with somebody, this will apply to you because I'm bringing you into the Elgersma household for one night. I can interact with dinner as a business transaction. It simply means this. What is dinner time? Dinner is a time to eat, right? I'm hungry. We put food on the table. I eat it. I'm no longer hungry. Business transaction fulfilled. And oftentimes, that's what I do. I sit at the table and I consume. If Kristen made it, then I eat it. If I made it, then I eat it. If we bought it, then I eat it. And at the end of the meal, you clean up the table and you're done. The only challenge is, is that I have absolutely and completely sinned if that's how I approach my dinner time. Because I have not fulfilled God's commandment to me. I've not loved the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. Here's how I know. On my right, sits the greatest gift that God has ever given me, my wife Kristen. On my left, sits the tied for second greatest gift, 
that God has ever given to me. That's Cameron. Also tied for second over here is Troy. And if Katie's home, she joins us over here. She'll, she hasn't been in our new house yet, so she'll sit over there or at the end of the table. We haven't decided which. We'll have a vote when she gets home. And I'm sitting at the table, and if I'm just business transactioning dinner, I have missed an opportunity to pour into the person that God has called me to love only one step lower than him. And I have missed an opportunity to love her and love him in a way. I haven't asked them the question, you know, how's your day? How do I pray for you? How can you pray for me? How can we do things? What are you learning in Project 119? Who are some of your new friends that, that, that we can talk about and pray for and encourage? What are, what are some things going on that God is doing in our family? But see, here's the thing. If we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, it gets even more complex. Because it's not just about how I interact with people at the table. It also comes in what we eat. And you may not believe that, but God has called us to treat his body as, our, the body he's given us as what? A temple, right? So let's say, and I wear shirts that are untucked for a reason, by the way, because unfortunately some things have changed over the years. But let's say I were feeding this with only Big Macs. Yeah. <laughs> no! I believe strongly that God has called me to treat my temple better. And believe me, that's hard because I love cheeseburgers. Oh, good grief do I love bacon. And ribs, oh, ribs. And I, I'm gonna confess to you, I actually bought some steaks for lunch today. So we're gonna have steak at lunch today um, because they were on super special sale. So I, what we eat is also an opportunity to love the Lord our God with all our hope, with all our soul, with all our mind. If there are not green things on your plate, you should wonder whether or not you are loving the Lord your God with how you eat. It becomes, when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, if we are going to do it with all our heart, it should be something that begins to consume every part of us. And the beautiful part of it is, is when it consumes every part of us, we begin to experience more and more deeply his blessing in all these spaces and places. When I love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, in my work, God uses me to glorify him more fully and other people learn more about who Jesus is. When I love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength and my nature, neighborhood than people around us who live in other houses that we interact with and have relationships with come to know the love of Christ more. When I love the Lord my God more and with all that I am in all of my life, it's more and more opportunity for God to show the world who he is through me. His name is glorified. My name gets it gets favor as promised in the word, not for my sake and who I am, but who Christ is in me and how he is working to change the world for his glory. But the challenge is that I need to love the Lord my God with all my heart in all that I do. 
Don't let anyone ever tell you that being a follower of Jesus is a simple thing because it's not. It means how you're a student at school is not simple because you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart. How you're a baker, how you're a professor, how you're working with clients, how you're retired, Whatever it is that you and I are doing are all places, including our family, where we can love the Lord our God with all our heart more. That makes it more challenging, but it also makes it easier. Because I know where to go to understand more about where to love God more. I go here. I start with this. As I learn this and live this more deeply, I can love the Lord my God more and he makes what? My path straight. We experience more fully his blessing. Let's continue reading. Verse seven. Or we'll go verse seven through verse 10. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Shun evil, good instruction if you're going to follow the Lord. They will bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. Again, a promise of physical blessing. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. When we hear honor the Lord with our wealth, we are hearing God say, I am generous to you. Now I want you to be generous to the world around you. Hold loosely onto everything that I give you. There are many people in this room who have experienced earthly blessing in huge ways. Most of you are going home to full cupboards or full refrigerators. Many of you are going home in cars that are either paid for or in your name. There are things in your life that are abundant. You have more than one chair to sit at at home. You have, you have a bed for each family member. Some of you maybe don't experience all of those blessings, but you experience many others. We have all been given so much. And God says, hold on to it so very loosely. Why? Because I did. Now, I've, I've met stingy people in my life. I've met those people when you ask them to be a part of something like Superstorm Sandy or flooding in Louisiana, they do a cost-benefit analysis. Is this the best place for me to put my money? Uh, You know, I'll give you a hundred bucks, but that's all. They've got much more to give, but they won't give more. Why? Well, I need to save it for this and I need to save it for that. They, They hold on to it with a stinginess. Their hands are tight with it. And what's so sad to me about that is that is so un-Christ-like. Let me give you this illustration. What does God's word say about the love that Jesus has for us? It says this. It says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God looks at you and he looks, at, he looks at you, Will, and even while you weren't worth it, he said, I'm going to give myself for you. Ben, while you weren't worth it, 
I'm going to give myself for you. Norma, for you. While you weren't worth it, I'm going to give myself for you. If we talk about what's worth it, what's worth it to give to, what's worth it to give up our money for, what it's worth to give up our time for and our energy for. If we use some sort of equation that isn't abundantly generous, that doesn't give all that we have back unto God, hold on to everything that we have loosely, then we are acting in a, acting in a Christ-like, unchrist-like fashion for the simple reason that God never looked at us and said, you aren't worth it. He always looks at his people and says, you are worth it, even though your life doesn't look the way that it should, even though your heart is a mess, even though there's brokenness in your life, you are worth it. And if you are worth it to me, how can you look at anyone else that I say is worth it to and say they're not worth me giving to? The generosity that God calls us to enact in his name is a generosity like his and we can never outgive what it is that he has given us. He has given you everything. He's given you life, eternity, a purpose, the Holy Spirit, giftedness, the body of Christ. He's given you love and grace. He's given you hope where you are hopeless. He's given you strength where you were weak. He's given you wholeness where you are broken. He has given all of us abundance that we can't even count. And he says now to us with the same heart that I have for you, go into the world and give likewise. Are we willing to? Or will we be that stingy follower of Jesus who holds on so tightly? Give in abundance. Hold on loosely. Because Christ looks at us and he holds on so loosely to his love and his grace. It says, here, drown in it. Here, breathe it in with every breath. Here, bathe in it like you're in an ocean. Because I love you so much. As we close the text with verses 11 and 12. My son, my daughter, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. We hear this text about discipline, these couple verses. And we're reminded of just how much God loves us. God loves us so much that he is unwilling to let us stay in the dark places that we can live in without him. The places and spaces in our lives where we live without Jesus, where we have not let God's love come in through Jesus Christ and consume that area so that we might love him with all that we are, with all that we do, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. He loves us so much that he will break us in those places. And he will do it through any number of things. And sometimes these are hard to hear. But I think that many of them are true. God will sometimes break us through a diagnosis. God sometimes will break us through the death of a loved one. God will sometimes break us 
by a bankruptcy or through unemployment. God will break us through a fractured relationship. And he doesn't do that because he wants us to hurt. He wants to cause us pain. He doesn't do this to us because he hopes for more tears and more heartbreak in our lives. In fact, it's quite the opposite. What God often is doing when he allows pain into our lives is he is saying, I love you so much that I want to take you to this new place this new life, this new hope, this new transformation. But the only way that you can get to this place is through pain. The only way that you can get there. And I will be with you through the whole process. I will not abandon you. I will not forsake you. I will be with you until the end of the age, the promise of Jesus Christ to us. He will be with us. And yet, in that discipline, it is for the purpose of bringing us more deeply into intimate relationship with God. Bringing us more deeply into those, those, those truths that he has for our hearts and our lives. How many of you know that experience? You know that experience of going through the garbage in order to get to the better things. I, and I don't want to oversimplify it. I don't want to say, hey, if you're going through yucky stuff, it's God saying, I love you more. I don't want you to get that idea because I, I don't think that's always true. I know that God lives in all those places and transforms them. I don't know that he allows all of them for the purpose of showing us more of who he is. That's where this gets complex. But I can tell you that in my experience, I know some very painful things that God has used to make his love known to me more. Some of you, or many of you have heard me talk about my parents' divorce. My parents' divorce was an incredibly painful experience. I remember longing for that. No, we, we had perfection, I thought, in my family. We were the most functional, perfect family, right, Kristen? We were perfect. Everything was great, I thought. And then all of a sudden it gets fractured by this thing called divorce and it hurts so bad. And we cried so many tears. I can remember getting so angry. But I, what I can tell you is that now, 12, 15 years later, as I look at the life of my relationship with my sister, my brother, my mom, my dad, the relationships that we have with others, that God has redeemed so many things that he could not have redeemed any other way. We have spoken truth, we have spoken love, we have spoken grace to each other in a way that we couldn't any other way. And believe me, it's not perfect at, by any stretch of the imagination. That, that idea of perfection was shattered and quickly. But what we do have is more like Christ wants us to be as a family than what was before. And I still, I, it's a struggle. Did God will divorce? That's way too complex of a question and I'm not gonna deal with it here. But what I can say is that God redeemed it. Now maybe God is redeeming something in your life. He's redeeming a bankruptcy. He's redeeming, redeeming a strained or even broken marriage. Maybe he's redeeming a relationship that you have with a child or grandchild or a parent or grandparent. Maybe God is in the midst of messing you up when it comes to addiction. Maybe he is, his, you, are, you are broken in an area of your interactions in your workplace. 
But understand that if that is God at work, and I believe that God is present in all those things, that he is present transforming them, making himself known to you and I in a way where we can learn more about how much he loves us if we will but love him in it. His, his work is always to be present. His work is always to transform. And as we love him more deeply, we see that transformation happen more. We experience it more. And then when we experience it more, what do we do? We say, thank you, Lord, for being present with me in the most difficult of difficult circumstances. May I praise you so that the world might see. When we hear God's call here in this text from Proverbs 3, he's making it clear to us. He wants everything for us. He wants all the good stuff that flourishes us in this life. He wants the best for us. And the best for us is always him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Let's pray. We praise you God that you have shown yourself to us over and over in your word. Lord, may we experience the double blessing of your word, that Lord, it, it, it imparts to us the power and presence of your spirit, of your love and of your grace. And we know that power in our lives, we're closer and we're more intimate with you. But it also, Lord, is a way for us to experience a life that is flourishing. I pray for tomorrow in the complexity of school schedules and driving responsibilities and carpools of grocery lists, of things that we're doing and schedules we have to keep and, and challenges that we face that, Lord, you meet us in that. And you say to us, follow me. Do what I call you to do. Go where I call you to go. Speak when I call you to speak and listen when I call you to listen. Learn more about me and I will make your path straight. Lord, may that speak to our hearts and transform us. May that transformation happen in making us people who love you more, love you with more of ourselves, love you with all that we are. Lord, when the difficulties and challenges come, the challenges that we can experience in this life, we pray, Father, that those are things that you use to bring us closer, more deeply in love with you. That we can see your presence in even the most difficult and painful of circumstances. And that, Lord, in those circumstances, your love speaks to us in a way which we couldn't hear it before. We experience your love and your grace in a way which, well, makes our world new. And then we might go out into the world and put your love on display because you've shown it to us so that others might see. We pray these things all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.